corporate board that doesn't know the names and the faces of the 1,500 people, or in Deloitte's case, 800 people that got laid off. And so they look up one day and go, oh, actually, we can make the same amount of money or more with 800 less people. And then they get the notepad out. Name number one, name number two, name number three, if it's even that personal. For all I know, these were computer-generated names, you know, out of the payroll department that were random. So there's a lot of stuff happening in the news right now. Um, Deloitte is having layoffs uh, in London, and it just really made me think about I had four parents. Every single one of them worked for big companies. And so I don't come from, you know, any entrepreneurial background. And I remember the stress that came along with them working for these large companies. And I think that one of the things that people, one of the reasons why people go and work for larger organizations is because they feel that they have a sort of security with these larger organizations. And in that, I look at Tons of my friends that have really great jobs at, you know, um, you know, Facebook, uh, New York Times, you know, these these bigger these bigger really cool names. But one of the things that's constant is these reorgs that happen in the organization. And I saw in the news in the Financial Times that Deloitte has 800 layoffs in uh, in in London right now, and it just really made me think that we should have an episode talking about this um, phenomenon of people thinking that they are safer because they're working for a larger organization. And so um, just to kind of kick us off today, uh, what comes to mind for you when when I say that, Norm? To me, Eric, it's this is this is a generational thing, you know, and not, not necessarily from um, an age group, although that is literally what it is, it's generational in the sense of corporate philosophy. You know, so you and I are big fans of the, you know, of the titans of industry. We talk about the Rockefellers and the Carnegies, you know, and um, a little bit further down the road, the Henry Fords and the Thomas Edisons. And there, there was a time period when, when corporate employment was was horrible, you know. And and I am, as, as you know, you know, not a big fan of of a controlling government, you know. But the one thing our government did do around the turn of the century is they created a much stabler work environment for the average person. So not only did they improve working conditions, they created more stability. It was the early days. And again, I I know that unions have their place, and this isn't a discussion about unions today, but but after, you know, you going into the, you know, the twenties and thirties and forties, there was an economy created around stability. The only way to get workers and to keep workers was to have a complete, stable environment. And so the Titans, the Barons, didn't have the ability to just say, you go, you stay. 
there was more stability created. But somewhere over that arc, you know, in the latter part of the 60s, going into the 70s, the corporate world changed a bit. Individuals that helped build a company became expendable. It was almost like human inventory, if you will. So this is, you know, Deloitte is big news today, but it's not unique. You know, you can go, you can go as early to the 70s and then and then progressively into the 80s and 90s. And suddenly, stability, and as with you, you know, my, my dad, um, you know, was an electrical engineer with IBM for 45 years. It was the only job he ever had besides the military gave him training in electronics. But working for IBM was the only job he ever had. And in, at the end of that time period, you know, and, and again, we're going to the early 90s now. It wasn't as abrupt, but basically he was invited to retire, if you will, early, but they were kind enough to create a package. So here we are in, an, in a world now that is, that is you know, it's, it's, it's fun to talk about activist investors because there is a movement now to put pressure on companies, you know, to, you know, to give better returns, you know, to, you know, whether, you know, whether that's a, a equity or an income stream to give better returns. And the only way to do that is to attack the largest expense line, which is employees. So, so in one sense, this is very tragic. But in another sense, too, as a business owner, it's very logical. But the difference between me running a small business and a corporate board that doesn't know the names and the faces of the 1,500 people, or in Deloitte's case, 800 people that got laid off, I know by name every single person. We're recording this today from the Wealth Factory office. We're right outside this door, 25 of the most beautiful families I could ever imagine working for me. And so part of the disconnect is, is when Henry Ford used to walk the factory floor, he actually knew the names of the people that were putting the wheel on the car. You know, the, these, these corporate board members, there, there is no connection between them and the people that, you know, that, that are expendable but to continue the further tragedy, it's not these people's fault. You know, that board allowed exponential growth, reckless growth. They brought too many people on. They weren't doing excellence in operations. And so they look up one day and go, oh, actually, we can make the same amount of money or more with 800 less people. And then they get the notepad out. Name number one. Name number two, name number three. If it's even that personal, for all I know, these were computer-generated names, you know, out of the payroll department that were random. Wow, it's really powerful because today, it's likely that name number one, name number two, name number three, one of those three people is listening to this conversation right now. And so, with with all of that being said, you know, I, I've told you. I became an entrepreneur kicking and screaming. 
And so I, I didn't, I didn't jump into entrepreneurship with as much, uh, you know, excitement as other people did. It's kind of like, all right, I guess, I guess I'm an entrepreneur. And, and I tried the corporate thing. Um, then, uh, from there I ended up going and being a financial advisor. I was a financial advisor for some time. I was only working with entrepreneurs as a financial advisor. Uh, so I knew I wanted to work with entrepreneurs. I knew that I loved entrepreneurs. Uh, and then I became a strategist for an organization that was one of my clients' organizations. And from there, only from there, when I figured out that I didn't have control over my destiny, uh, did I start my own company. And so when I think about the people listening to this today, um, man, when I look at what my contract looked like when I was a financial advisor, it was, I gave 50% of my revenue to the firm, uh, in return for their name in an office basically. And they also had a relationship, um, with a, uh, clearinghouse, um, that, you know, would have been hard for me to manage on my own. Uh, and there was so much BS that I had to deal with when it came to compliance as a financial advisor. So I always say I'm a, I'm a recovering financial advisor. The best financial decision that I ever made as a financial advisor was leaving financial advisory. Um, and the best decision that I ever made in my life was leaving employment and W2 100%. And going somewhere where I pay my own W-2 um, that's extremely low and I pay myself the rest and, you know, and I pay capital gains on that income. And so this audience is a group of extremely talented, intelligent people that have been earning good, good money, um, but they're within a corporate structure that every six months changes and they have to navigate the politics of that. And so as you look at people around you that have been living this life and you've been living the entrepreneurial life, because for people listening, if you don't know, Norm hasn't taken a W-2 since, I don't know, Abe Lincoln. And so um, he's he's been doing his own thing since basically the beginning of time. He had a very short stint in corporate. He knows what corporate is like, and he ran away from it pretty quick, it seems like to me. And so, Norm, when you look around yourself at the talented people that are in these um, you know, management consulting positions, what is it that you see and what's the true opportunity that you see for that person? And what type of assistance or help do you think an organization like Wealth Factory can provide? to this individual first and foremost and it, and it and it's really serendipitous you know the 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 video call that i had right before um we got on this to record this podcast today is an individual that i'm that i'm mentoring um that is a, that is a client of of wealth factory and they were with a billion-dollar organization within the dental industry. And the first thing they did was start to apply to similar companies. I have a relationship with this individual. They 
they're, they, they've let me know that I'm in transition. I need to address some things related to my personal finance. And, you know, and, and that's what Wealth Factory does is cash flow taxes, insurance, investing in estate planning. He needed some of those areas buttoned up. And, and I, was, I was more than excited that he joined the program, but I'm doing personal work with him, which I, I typically don't do. The knee-jerk reaction is to start applying for jobs with similar companies. But what we've landed on as we work through this is taking that skill set that he was exercising within this billion-dollar company and essentially repurposing his knowledge for entrepreneurism. So there is no, you know, as, as, as we know in life, there aren't a ton of proprietary ideas left anymore. You know, there are legal trademarks and, you know, in the, in legal IP that we get to see the big boys fight over at the top level. But for the most part, we have knowledge that we've acquired through these jobs. We have a network of individuals that we have met over the last 10 years. And what we have is a will to bet on ourselves. In every single day, Eric, when I wake up, it is an exercise not only of tranquility mentally, but there's this moment when it typically comes when I'm standing in the mirror about to shave, two fingers get pointed at the mirror. I bet on you. I bet on you today. You know, and and I've shared this analogy before, you know, that I don't know a lot of things about what's going to happen every day. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the old Mike Tyson um, narrative that I like to share that everybody has a plan to get punched in the face. And I have a plan this morning and it may get adjusted and I get that. But the one thing I know is that if I don't show up, if I quit, nothing's going to happen. So I started to encourage this individual this is the opportunity of the lifetime. Necessity is the mother of invention. Every, I think every single person, this is really curious, every single person that is in the ecosystem of business wonders in their heart, I wonder what it would be like if I was doing this myself. And I get to talk to many, many small entrepreneurs every week that took that leap. Now, some of them by design, you know, like, like, you know, I've, 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 I've got a, you know, a dentist that I worked with yesterday. They were trained for that. They were trained to be an entrepreneur, but I get to talk to somebody today that literally has to reinvent themselves, but it's not as big of a reach as people think because they have knowledge they have contacts, they have the ability to be creative. And so I just told this individual, all that dedication that you threw towards that billion dollar corporation that literally, and you know, and remember the days, Eric, when you could get 30 day severance, like they gave him two weeks. That is like, and, and, I, and I'm sensing as I do my research that that's like generous. You know, like like these days, I'm I'm hearing people that walk into the office, and you know, and and basically got the rest of the day to clean their stuff out, and that is literally their last paycheck. 
So I am just encouraging him to reevaluate, to inventory everything you did in that billion-dollar corporation for 10 years and compartmentalize that. And, and that's a lot of the conversations that we have at Wealth Factory. You know, we, we teach people how to sure up because you got to have a foundation, how to sure up your personal finance so you can create a launch pad that allows you to be a entrepreneur, you know, and as, and as you said, you kind of, you know, became an, an entrepreneur kicking and screaming with, with necessity being the mother of invention. You know, I'm, I'm like, don't, don't look for another job. That's just another layoff. Creating yourself. Wow. That's so powerful. So what? Okay. So you're staring down the barrel of a gun, right? Which is what, what people going through layoffs feel like they're doing. Right. So if we're, if, if you and I work at, and we're using Deloitte as an example here, um, if you and I are working at Deloitte and we're working in a mid-level, you know, management consultant job, and we know that people are getting laid off right now, uh, but we haven't been laid off yet, right? What, what are the steps that we should be taking right now in order to make sure we have a life raft for that moment when, when the layoff does happen in order to jump into this and to jump into it in confidence or to have the option, if it doesn't happen, to be able to carry through with the plan with confidence. I encourage people to take an inventory. What resources do I have? Well, first and foremost, keep your head. Stay calm because you're betting on yourself. You is who made you successful at Deloitte. You is who will make you successful as an entrepreneur. So take an inventory. I talked about things like knowledge. I talked about things like content. But individuals, it's really hard to not see the next day or the week in front of them. So what they do is like, okay, that's great, but how do I pay my bills? Well, I talk to a lot of individuals in this situation that actually have more resources than they think they do. You know, one of, one of the narratives in, you know, that I work with with entrepreneurs is, is you know, it, one of the most underutilized tools, you know, that is available to an entrepreneur, you know, and that's, that's overfunded whole life, which in my world, I call that cash flow banking. And so when I go down, you know, if the inventory with people, you know, they get, yeah, I got this much in savings. You know, I got this much in stock options. I got this much in a 401k. I have some cash value in a whole life policy. I've got some real estate. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Back up a little bit. Tell me a little bit more about your whole life policy. And I find these individuals that have a whole life policy that they maybe acquired 10 or 15 years ago. Some of them were actually benefit plans that were that were presented to them by groups like Deloitte. And I'm like, wait a second. So how much cash value do they ha you have in that policy? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, let me check. And then I find out that they've got, you know, one or $200,000 cash value on that policy. And I, and I asked them, did you realize 
that you can borrow against the policy tax-free, get that cash and live on that for just a little while while you get your, your business started. Or better yet, you use that cash to create and start your little business of whatever it is you're going to do. And, 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 it, and, it, and so as I, I get these individuals you know, to essentially disclose their balance sheet to me, I find these little nuggets of, you know, where, where they're traumatized right now and I get it, you know, and they can't see what actually do I have to work with. Most people, especially coming out of that corporate world, most people have more resources than they realize. You know, when I, you know, I, I actually contributed to um, a qualified plan for years. I don't recommend that, you know, to my clients now, but I actually contributed to a qualified plan for years. And when my moment of truth came, that saved my skin. That's what got me, you know, and, and it was, it was, it was no big deal. Like I get paying the 10% penalty, you know, and I get that I have to pay taxes on that too. But guess what? Whether I pull that out this year, I pull it out 10 years from now, I got to pay tax on it anyways. So, but if I pull that out and I'm using it to start my business, every expense to start that business is deductible. It won't be a perfect wash, but it's just an example of how individuals have way more resources than they really do. And sometimes they just need to step back. Bring somebody along their side, like Wealth Factory, to help them get clarity, to help them, you know, and then the other part of the conversation is, what exactly do I want to do? And I call that investor DNA. You know, what do, I want to invest in a business. I want to invest in my business, but I don't know exactly what I want to do. And that's when it's a conversation about core values. You know, do something you know, that is in alignment with your core values. And that's where in the conversation, most everybody goes, thank you. Because one of the things that made me sick to my stomach the whole time I was a part of a larger corporation is I was working for them. And as you, in your case, Eric, you know, the math didn't work. They were making more money than you off of, off of you. And these individuals go, you know, that's something I've always struggled with, that I'm actually helping a company make money, that I don't actually believe in what they do and how they do it. Well, guess what? For the rest of your life, my friend, you get to be in complete alignment with your core values, with the little business that you create. All right, Norm. So I actually think that this is where we should um, cut this and end it. It's super powerful. Um, and I want to make sure that these folks are able to keep the momentum. And so there is an opportunity for you to schedule a meeting with our team at yourwealthmission.com. Again, that's yourwealthmission.com. And it's a free 30-minute meeting with one of our professionals. There's a floating tab that says schedule a time with an expert from Your Wealth Mission powered by Wealth Factor. Click on that and you'll be able to schedule something right on their calendars. So I appreciate you guys. Norm, I'm going to close this out the same way that we always close it out. Uh, and that's with simplicity, structure, and speed.